0: We are live. Welcome to this episode of the Slightly Chewed Podcast. It's been a long, long time. It's probably been seven months or so since I've done one of these. But I have with me today Aiden Bubeck, one of my uh, new friends, who is a bass player extraordinaire, musician extraordinaire, from what I'm finding out uh, from people who I've asked. Uh, So, how's it going, man? It's
1: going great, man.
0: Yeah, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. down here in this man cave. I've never seen so many records. In one uh, one place,
1: it's a lot. I inherited my parents' collection, yeah. and then just kind of grew it from there. So,
0: have you listened to all of them?
1: No, um, I'm actually still discovering things every week <laughs> that I'll be like, "Oh, I didn't even know this." You know, yeah, because the liner notes are really awesome to see who played on what and kind of cross reference everything. And you, I'm always discovering new stuff in this collection. How what percentage
0: of of this behind you is? came from your parent did you inherit from your parents
1: probably about half of that okay and you still and then a bunch of uh i inherited you know every grandparent every great grandmother all the musicals king and i and <clears throat> all those oh, weird yeah. really weird records i uh, have those too yeah. but so it's it's a weird a, a collection of music it's not just one particular kind a lot of classic rock obviously
0: right but pretty eclectic styling yes of things that's really cool. I've only recently got into records. I've got about ten records and a, one of those cheap record players yeah. that you get, like the the Crosby or whatever, yeah, and it it works. It's I all mean, you I, need. I'm not complaining about it. It's definitely not a, an audiophile system. Yeah, and
1: you don't need. You can my favorite way to shop for records is the dollar band yeah still I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a record collector that collects right things that are worth a lot of money right i collect it to have a catalog of of things to listen to and yeah if someone says hey have you ever checked out this record i go home pull it out oh man i, I put it on vinyl yeah uh i like that so i'm yeah. always i think dollar records are where it's at
0: yeah for sure i i I have a a sound bar that I have hooked up to my TV, and this Crosby has a RCA out, and you can plug it into the sound bar with a subwoofer and everything. Yeah, and And it it, sounds great. Yeah, because the the Crosby's really quiet, so it's really nice to have the volume and be able to listen to... I've got uh, a couple of old... oscar peterson Ooh, records nice. yeah, that, I, that i found uh yeah the night train yeah is oh my, yeah is one of go. my all time favorites. great great record and a couple other ones and and uh then chelsea uh my girlfriend has a couple i think she's got a florence and the machine yeah record that uh is really cool i didn't really get in i didn't know about that band really it's not on my radar for some reason yeah and so she brought that record home and put it on i was like this is really cool they're really good yeah <laughs> it was really really <laughs> neat I didn't have any idea. So, there's a ton of music out there, I guess, that you just have to find. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you and I met uh, just a few weeks ago playing with Austin Alsip out in Justin. Yep. And uh, I've heard your name through Blaine Cruz yes. a whole bunch of times. Uh, he always tells me when he's playing gigs with you and how great you are. And, and then Canyon Kafer. Oh, I and, love Canyon. And yeah. Chris Hill those are guys that I play with a ton and they, yeah. they mentioned you from time to time so it was really I didn't know that you were gonna be there that night I didn't know that uh, Ruben wasn't gonna be there so it was a really fun uh, treat to get to do that and that was my first gig with Austin so oh that, wow we were both kind of buried in charts <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, yes. over there on stage left so it was really fun man I really enjoyed it but you you played with Austin in the past right
1: um, years ago uh, I think it was 2004 Four two 2005 mm-hmm. I believe it is um, we played yeah I found a poster we played a gig <laughs> at Woody's over there in Fort Worth oh man yeah. and uh, it was school. it was really fun it's yeah. back then it was a lot of covers and you know mm-hmm. Austin was a lot younger yeah and it was pretty cool yeah so it was it was really nice to be reunited with him after he's gone through so much yeah uh, and he man he can make some great records. Absolutely. I was blown away with how good the records sounded Mm -hmm. and uh, how consistently good they sounded. Every every record Mm -hmm. different, but really, wow, that sounds good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's really talented. He's, He's got a great ear, and he's got—he's uh, a really good writer and a, a powerful singer. He's kind of—he's got the whole package, and yeah. people seem to be catching on. And it's really—it's fun to watch. I, yeah, I've known him for a, a few years since I moved to Fort Worth about five years ago. Okay, good. And I—I uh, I met a bunch of the singer-songwriter people, uh, even though that's—that's that's not really how I consider myself. But I got involved with that crowd and, and met all those guys, and it's been really fun to watch his. Progression, and then getting to be on that show, and and the uh, the clout that comes along with that. So right. I I we've done a handful of gigs, or I have with him since then, and it's been really fun. Yeah. To do that, to be a part of that, and kind of see see people react to him. You yeah. Know, the, the TV star. Yeah. Now. You get
1: uh, the TV fan base yeah. is a totally different fan base than you know growing things organically like it used to be all word of mouth mm-hmm. uh it's a, doing the tv thing is really awesome because you get a nice solid fan base right away mm-hmm. and they're very very supportive too mm-hmm. yeah they will drive long distances fly long distances yeah. come and see you and it was cool to see that yeah yeah,
0: yeah. definitely they the, the swarm of people who mm-hmm. and then you know when he's doing the songs that he did on the show and you you see people light up and all that it's just really fun to be to see it be a part of it you know i I haven't done anything like that so it's kind of fun to vicariously live you know from the side of the stage and watch watch that happen for him right yeah but he's got a lot going for him man he's talking about making a new record which would be uh really cool he's he told me the name of the producer and i recognize the name but i can't remember uh who it was um but it was you know he was really excited about hopefully doing that in january so yeah get some new music out so i'm gonna try to finagle my way onto that record do you did definitely <laughs> as i do finagle my way onto people's records as much as i can yeah that's a good thing you <laughs> I, have yeah, to. i'm a finagler but yeah so i don't know it's been fun but uh so you did uh you did obviously miranda lambert's gig that mm-hmm. was your that was your bread yeah
1: i did that for 12 years yeah and just finished up this year, came off the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's really that was really fun. And yeah,
0: I uh, can imagine that opening a whole lot. Oh, of doors. it was
1: just uh, it was an education on learning good songwriting. Yeah, uh, playing behind that every night. Yeah, uh, her singing ability and her songwriting. It was just you know doing that for twelve years. Mm-hmm. There's not one song that's not you know that's bad. Everything is great. Yeah. And you you kind of realize, oh, the the bar is raised it's a different level now. And I yeah. and plus it just yeah, it enabled me to really, really understand great songwriting and yeah. uh, uh and
0: the machine.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, and the and, and the machine it. behind it, which is crazy. Yeah. Um the bigger the bigger the production, mm-hmm. the less it has to do about music. Sure. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh that was my learning of that. Uh, and not in a bad way. No, it's just you have to work in. Uh, there's th- there's there's a lot of things that are that stay rigid because of production things, videos mm-hmm. and and uh, lights and things where they need to be, and it has to be that because you're playing such big stages and right. such big rooms. Uh, it's not like playing your local jazz club where oh we can just do whatever and see what feels good. Right. Uh, it's, it's different, but that, yeah, it's really fun to, to yeah. witness that and see how many people it takes yeah. to keep that machine going. Yeah. yeah. What I've, I think realized on a much smaller level, cause
0: I've never been to the, to that level, but what I've realized uh, once you get above the, the local bar band scene, uh, it becomes like you just said, less about the music itself and more about the, the show and the entertainment right. value of what you're yes. getting, obviously the music is important because that's it is the b- yes. main reason people yes. are there. So the music has to be good, right? But at that point, it's got to be visually entertaining, and right. it's overall, you know, you have to and manage- that's what
1: you have to. That was that was kind of what I learned uh, playing with Miranda was that uh, in the beginning, you know, you start out and you're playing the same twenty songs for over a year, mm-hmm. uh, and I came from what your same thing you were doing doing around here playing different gigs every night mm-hmm. different songs different styles of music yeah uh and then all of a sudden i'm thinking what do i oh no what do i concentrate <laughs> on you know and i kind of stagnated and yeah. didn't know what to do like wh- how can i be motivated to practice and and sure. keep myself mentally stimulated musically stimulated and then it was it came time to realize okay well i have to look at this big picture i have to worry about right how do I get the best sound I can get on stage? Right. How do I send the best bass signal to front of house and monitors? Right. How do I visually look the best for a crowd of 50,000 people? Yeah. You really start thinking, and so that was what you work on and you learn. Right. Um, yeah, and, and, and they're just as important as the, the – the hard part of it is you have to keep the music at a high level. Right. So you kind of have to automatically make that happen and then – Right. Consciously think of other things, right. so you, you're not really putting them at above the music. You have to really just make sure that that okay, it's there, right. and uh, and then work on the things visually and yeah. technically and all those all the, that yeah. stuff.
0: I think that gets lost <clears throat> on a lot of people on on a more of a regional level mm-hmm. uh, because I, I people like like me have come up as a front man, and I've tried my hardest to be known as a good band and a good musician. And you get to a certain point where the people who are coming out to see you already know that. But you have to keep giving those people a reason to come back again. Right, And that's where that starts to fall in. And I see a lot of bands uh, that have celebrated regional success, uh, you know, touring uh, within 500 miles kind of thing, selling selling a reasonable amount of tickets. Uh, I see a lot of those bands kind of resting on the laurels of, okay, here we are, now let's play this music really well. But the show kind of falls flat, and people stop, right. People will uh, stop coming to a point. Yeah, you have to...
1: Uh, Maybe they've seen it two or three times, right. and it's the same thing. Yes, that then, uh, is, that's that's a very big problem with a lot of people. I, I can think of people immediately when you said that come to mind. Yeah. And, and uh, it can be, yeah. You have to figure out how to keep it stimulating and... Yeah. and
0: it almost feels hokey to a point that you have to that you have to do, you know uh, that thing. But you have, yeah. I think you have to you have to separate. I think once you get to a certain point of success, you have to separate the art from the from the business and the machine and the and the the yeah. idea of of keeping people just entertained overall. People right. who are not musicians. I'm I'm a lifelong musician, mul- multiple instrumental musician. Right. So I'm a hundred percent concerned with my guitar tone and my technical ability, and I'm going to play a really cool solo, or I'm going to play this chord phrase instead of this one. Right? I'm so concerned about that. But it's 98% of the general population doesn't know anything about music.
1: Exactly. And Uh, there's
0: nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. But you have to somehow... What did, if I play this chord phrase of a major 7 chord versus this chord phrase those people don't know that and they don't right. care it doesn't matter to them right. and so when I get super bogged down by that I think that and, and the bands that, that get bogged down by that kind of stuff once you reach a certain level of success you have to you have to separate the two you have to satisfy yourself artistically right And then go out and satisfy the crowd. I think that gets lost on a whole lot of people. And I can imagine on the stage that you were on that there was a lot of people maybe telling you, wear this, don't wear that. Uh, You know, it it actually,
1: uh, for the most part, was very organic. Yeah. Um, uh, There were times, you know, when we would meet with people that would, hey, we're going to get you these clothes or. but it was always of our choice. It wasn't like right. you're wearing this. It was like, oh, what kind of stuff do you like? And okay. so you could pick out. But everything else, it was very organic. Happened uh, a lot of people. A lot of people think that they think, oh, it's it's a big gig, so you have to do what management says, and it's all right. everything is done by management. And it wasn't. It yeah. was just we were young. Yeah, on the road a lot and just yeah. out there in our in a circus. Yeah, for you know doing it and. Yeah. It, it was, it was kind of cool that it did happen organically. Yeah. Uh, I, when I, For a period of five years when I played with her, I had a, a Mohawk, yeah. a real big <laughs> Mohawk. And a lot of people thought that was like in a contract that I had to have that. <laughs> and it was thought by management. And I was like, no. I said, honestly, it was, it was totally – there was a monitor engineer f- from Keith Urban who we, that we were on tour with, and he shaved in a Mohawk one night. And uh, challenged me, and I had like a—I mean, I had buzzed buzzed haircut. So I just shaved in a little bitty mohawk, and then uh, it just started growing. And Miranda's like, "Hey, I like that. Keep that." Yeah. And and all of a sudden, it was it was too big, and it was like, "Oh no!" But you know, it was a good thing for uh, icebreaker uh, and being memorable for sure. Yeah, it it turned out uh, it turned out to be an interesting. Turned out to be an interesting social commentary to <laughs> yeah. to interact with people. Yeah, when you have something like that, that bold. Yeah, uh, a real interesting, and, and it becomes everything fits in little categories. You can you know, oh, this person's going to do this, and oh, here they go, and right. they'll ask the same questions, and they'll want to do. It. Right, it was real. How long interesting. does
0: it take to oh, do dude, that? I had
1: a T-shirt that uh, the band made me that said. Uh, Five minutes, hairspray. Yes, you can touch it because <laughs> that was it. How long does it take? What do you use? Yeah, and it was you know silly. <laughs> That's um, funny. But the good, you know, the good thing was when it went. Uh, it. I was worried. I'm I'm a, I'm a, a country boy. I grew up here. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Joshua, Texas. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Godley, Texas, when I was real, real young on on the dairy farms, mm-hmm. listening to country music. You know, when I was a little kid. So. When we got to tour with all these people, I was very self-conscious of having this giant hairdo. Yeah, and we're here we are out there opening for George Strait, <laughs> right? And I like I, I really want to talk to him, you know, not, and not in a fan way, but just as a person. And yeah. and he's not going to want to talk to me with this haircut, right? Um, but uh, luckily we we had some interaction, and 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 he loved it. Yeah, thought it was great. Yeah, and you know it was it was really neat. So when it finally went away. Uh, it was nice to be known also as a ba- the, a bass player instead of the guy with the crazy mohawk. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can imagine. Did, that, it ever, did it ever have its own Twitter page or anything like that? Did anyone? <laughs> it, it was talked about. We had uh, people there, do that. There's actually stuffs on YouTube. Uh, Martha Mohawk, okay. and it was like uh, domestic <laughs> domestic things on the road, yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> Like a cooking show, like we did chili, beef jerky, yeah. cake, uh, yeah. coffee, it's silly stuff. Yeah, um, that's yeah. fun. But, it, but when I got rid of it, this was the big thing, that eye-opening thing was uh, Kix Brooks told me, I, I literally just shaved it off, did some shows, and after we were done, Kix walked up and he said, man... I never realized how good of a bass player you were <laughs> because I was always so fixated on visually what it looked like. Yeah. And, it, and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was really eye opening. Like, okay, now I need to focus on this. Yeah. Uh, that's uh that's a know. very
0: pointed statement yeah, to it, make.
1: It, he, uh, that's, that becomes your identity for so long. He, he, he can make really awesome thing. Awesome statements. Uh, I've gotten to, you know, be around him a lot and it's been fun and he, he always says things that make you think and yeah. you, you hang on to. Yeah, that's really cool. How long did you have the mohawk for? A little over five years. Yeah,
0: so it was a thing. Yeah, I remember I told uh, when we booked this this podcast session, uh, Chelsea, my girlfriend, I said, hey, uh, she's a big Miranda Lambert fan. I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing podcast with Miranda Lambert's uh, former bass player. And the first thing out of her mouth was, oh, does he still have that mohawk? That was the yeah. first thing she asked. And she said, that was that's that's the thing. Oh yeah. yeah, but but outside of outside of that, I mean, you're an extremely accomplished bass player. I've never I've heard your name a, a whole bunch of times, and again, I'm super thrilled that we've gotten to meet each other and become friends. Oh I'd, yeah, I'd, man. I'm really sure. pleased about that um, because I I like to surround myself with with musicians that that I look up to. That and That is. And I think that, that is it right there. I think it's tremendously important and mm-hmm. I think no, there's, it's there's the, so many of them. That's in this the basis
1: town. of my whole uh oh sorry. basis of everything that I've tried to to do with my career. Yeah. It's exactly what you're saying. Yeah.
0: I think it's tremendously important for for your own personal growth. Yeah. You know, I and so uh I've I've known of Bertha Coolidge, yes, the band for a long time and it didn't occur to me that you were Uh, the bass player for Bertha Coolidge because we had never met and I didn't know who you were or I knew who you were but we didn't know each other until we had that conversation (laughs) a couple weeks ago and then since then I've been putting it in my head the amount of times that I've seen Bertha Coolidge at SCAT, you know, randomly and then I'm going, oh, okay, this is, okay, so tell me about that because I'm a huge
1: fan of um, that project. In the late 90s, um, there was a downtown uh, in downtown Fort Worth, there was a bar called the Black Dog uh-huh. downstairs, just smoky, dirty, mm. dirty, dingy, just really a, a cool bar. Um, and they had a Sunday night jazz jam. Mm-hmm. This guy, Michael Palekia, um, sax player, put it together and he spearheaded it while he, he lived here in town. And for a period of time, for a couple years. Uh, the house band it was myself on bass, Rich Stitzel on drums, mm-hmm. Joey I... Carter on Vibes, and then Paul Metzger on guitar jeez, and we were the house band, and we played together every week and then start you know and also we were doing a lot of gigs outside of that mm-hmm. and then we started realizing man we really we kinda like to play these type of tunes let's let's put together a group and write yeah you know uh, Joey and Paul are amazing, Absolutely. amazing writers, so let's do this so we started easing in original tunes and it, yeah. it started really taking off and then we then we got like a weekly gig uh outside of the black dog um i want to say that it was after the black dog had closed mm-hmm. and then we just started from there um uh, we recorded an album at caravan of dreams and it was the last album recorded there oh wow and that live album it it got like a fort worth weekly album of the year yeah award uh it's it's a really cool record. It's a good snapshot of that period. Yeah. Uh and really really great all original tunes. Mm-hmm. Neat neat stuff, but yeah. it's a it's amazing amazing group of musicians. Uh probably the the t- highest talent level of musicianship of any band that I've ever tried to play with and yeah. keep up with. Yeah. Uh it's just really great. Now we're only able to get together probably once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh Rich the drummer lives in Chicago mm-hmm. now, and then he's been up there for quite a while mm-hmm. uh and just is killing up there does a lot of jazz he's gonna he's got a really awesome thing called drum mantra okay that's really cool, but he's gonna be uh yeah coming down, we'll do another show in january awesome and, uh, here in the area so it's always fun to get to reunite and yeah, um, that's fantastic. Try to hang on; it's fun. Paul is one of the most amazing <clears throat> guitarists that I have ever she... had the pleasure of watching. Um, it's terrifying. It's just terrifying, and and the terrifying thing about him is he gets better and better and better because I I, I know I know this because I have spent a lot a lot of time where I played with him constantly for mm-hmm. years, and then I would go away and I wouldn't see him for. I mean, it could be over a year, mm-hmm. and then we would do, uh, I would come back in town uh, when I was off the road with Miranda and do like a jazz gig with Paul, mm-hmm. so I hadn't heard him in a year, yeah. and it would just floor me <laughs> the things he would do. Yeah. Uh, even up until recently, he he started doing, uh, the band Holy Moly uh-huh. were doing... Primus tribute uh-huh. night, yeah, and with the band Holy Moly, and they needed a shred electric player, so they got Paul. Yeah, so he started transcribing those these Primus yeah. tunes and 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 things. Man, he's got this whole other gear now. Yeah. it was it was really cool. So he yeah <laughs> he's scary. just he's
0: amazing. Yeah, if you if you can if anyone can, it would be him. But if a person could translate that into jazz fusion. You know, that those melding those styles. Like, oh, I can't yeah. imagine how how crazy that yeah. would be. He's, he's tremendously talented. I've I've gone uh, uh plenty of times down on Sunday nights to scat to the jam and yeah. I don't sit in because I don't really know anybody in there, but I like to watch and see all the people. Um and watching him when he's there, it's yeah. just every time it's just he knows every song yeah. that's ever been written, you know, yeah. it, it, within reason. Yeah, and he plays it like it's his every okay. time, and it's just
1: crazy. Yeah, fun him to and watch. Joey Carter together are wow. a force to be reckoned with because you—you're right. Between those two, there's probably not a song that can be called. Yeah. and they they can play it in any key. Absolutely, and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, and they're so easygoing with it. Yeah, super and nice, they're, and they're modest. They're not. They're not super arrogant. Nice. Yeah, one
0: one bit yeah especially it's a it is a kind of a jam situation where they'll get one or two people up at a time and let them kind of showcase themselves Mm -hmm. and they have no problem just backing up whoever and even if it bombs they don't they're not rude about it they're not telling people to go away you know they'll give you advice and they'll say you know come back next week try again right and that's they do you know and that's so cool a lot of musicians that i that i know wouldn't do that you know, if, right. someone, if someone bombs on their stage, yes. you know, they're running them out of the club and telling them to never come back. Yeah, and both,
1: that's, both Joey and Paul, not only are they amazing players, but they're amazing educators. Yeah. And they really, they never, they're never, they never stop educating. Yeah. They're constantly Absolutely. helping the, the people, like you said, at SCAT, when they come down and they play, they're giving them advice and, hey, you know, you might try that in a different key or, yeah. hey, you might try this type of tune and, and mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. Uh, and and the and the people listen. Yeah. Well, I mean, how it's could they great. not? I mean, yeah, because it's, a, it's a lot of younger kids that are coming in and sitting in. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That are really good. There was a couple mm-hmm. this last time I did it a couple weeks ago. I was really impressed. Yeah. So there's a good pool of talent coming in doing that. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're listening to the to Joey and Paul because. Yeah.
0: Well, they've got yeah. to know that if anyone's gonna be the person to take advice from, it's yeah. the two of them. You know, I, I don't think they would be there if they didn't already know that. You yeah. know, no one's going in there with big attitude about, you know, I'm the shit. I'm the I'm the guy. You know, because you get on stage with those dudes, right? And you're not the guy, right? <laughs> They're the guy. Yeah,
1: they have, like I said, they have no arrogance or no. ego. But but musically, if you need to be put in your place, they oh, can yeah. do it very quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, in, a, in a good way. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did
0: Paul, uh, did I see he recently took a job at UNT? Or I he, believe so. I think so. I, I feel so. like I saw that within the last year. He took a job yeah. as, a, as a professor at UNT, which is tremendous. Yes. For accolade it's for him. It's great.
1: Because that, that's where Paul and I met originally in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just great to see him come full circle with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's
0: a... That's, quite an accomplishment I yeah mean, that's a world renowned i mean top top three in the world oh you know, totally for, yeah for always you know every year always in, it is you know it's, it's uh
1: really impressive it is it's really good i'm gonna move my chair here you hear some squeaks hang on hang on with me. yeah these chairs are not quiet Sorry. i like it no
0: oh, i like it they're comfortable i just was mm-hmm. losing uh feeling in one of my feet <clears throat> here we go all right so Anyway, that's uh, so that band. I see you guys get together about once a year and do do. that. Do you do other
1: ensembles like that, or do you? I guess since you're off, you've been off the road with Miranda. Do you have a regular? Um, you know, my regular gig right now is uh, actually at a church, Met Church Mm -hmm. in Keller, uh, and it is, it's just, it's one of my most favorite bands I've ever played in. Uh, Billy Ramsey on drums, Jay Brown on organ and uh and then austin morgan on guitar yeah i know austin and austin's just it's just great uh and then we've got a killer group of singers there and it's just it's it's really fun because they let us do what we want to do uh and it's it makes it an authentic sincere experience really like it it's a fun band uh and, and with that band also we do some things outside of that. We've got a blues group mm-hmm. called the Twelve Step Blues All-Stars mm-hmm. that we'll play. Um we try we try to do once one show a month, but we've been all so busy right now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's next year we'll we'll get a little busier with that. Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, I like Austin Morgan a ton. Oh, it's great. He's one of my favorite local mm-hmm. guys. I know that he doesn't I mean he does more than local stuff, but he lives yeah, here. Yeah, and t-
1: talking about somebody like who gets better all the time.
0: Yeah. He really does. He's assimilating his own, his totally unique own style. And I, I really, when I get to see him play with, with someone, it's just, every time, it's just so unique. And I, his, his thought yeah. process and his phrasing. I'm a,
1: a really big believer of, you know, being a fan of great music and great musicians um, to learn from. To mm-hmm. Kind of copy to draw a pool to draw from, yeah, uh, and Austin does that just really really well his he 's got very discerning tastes, but it 's all really, really good yeah and i I actually think he gets that from his dad, the same reason I got my thing is from my parents for the record collection uh-huh. his dad 's a big vinyl dude yeah. he 's got a lot of great records, so I think he probably gets that, but Austin. You, you always run anything by Austin to see if it's cool, <laughs> yeah. And he'll tell me, yeah. And then it's like,
0: okay, cool. I'm, I'll, I'll
1: go from there. Yeah.
0: And then you definitely would heed his advice, yes, one way or another. With with musically and fashion wise, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and tonally, he's always got really nice gear. Mm, Every yes. time I hear him, and it doesn't take. He's one of those guys that doesn't require a lot of uh, processing. No, to sound not at good. all. He can make his rig sound the way
1: he needs it to sound with just a cable. Yes, I've amp. seen him. Uh, I've seen him do you know the a full pedal board and then all the way to like you said just a cable into the amp, yeah. and it still sounded like Austin and it was great. Yeah, I'm envious of guitar players
0: that can do that. I'm so tethered to my pedal board for auxiliary sounds and things that I like. Yeah. It's not all necessary, but it's things that I like. And when I don't have it, I get really self conscious. And I'm I'm envious of guys who can just plug into an amp and just play and it sounds like it's supposed to sound. You know, I wish I wish that I would force myself to do that more. I'd probably be really good for my playing, I'm sure. Just to just to get uncomfortable for a while. <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> so you exactly. You have out. to be
1: uncomfortable to grow and, yeah. and you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you grew up playing bass, or you had music in the house? I I grew up, I was an, uh, I'm was an only child, mm-hmm. and my parents were pretty young when they had me. So they, uh, I almost grew up with my parents and my uncles being like my older siblings. Right. Kind of. And so i I grew up in a bubble very much so uh, uh, sheltered from the music in the eighties right uh most people of my era that's their that's what they grew up on mm-hmm. i I didn't really get into that stuff until late late eighties and then uh and then I went into my jazz bow phase in the nineties so <laughs> i i to me music was was the sixties yeah seventies And it stopped there, and that was I had this I had this record collection of hundreds and hundreds of records, Uh and I would just find this and listen, and that kind of inspired me. Uh, And there was a garage band of some of some local uh, some neighbors that played, and uh, man, I wanted to play, so (laughs) wanted to play drums, and my parents would not let me, but I started on trombone, (laughs) okay, uh, in sixth grade, and did that and loved. Tron was a band nerd like 100% way into it did it all through college Um, when I got to high school I was playing trombone and I was playing a little bit of electric guitar Uh and uh, they needed a bass player in the jazz band so the director thought okay he can read bass clef Mm -hmm. he's got the physical thing of the guitar down Mm this will be perfect yeah marry the two he showed me where B flat and F was (laughs) and I said go for it and I was like okay and I just started doing it, and then, uh, then I realized too there was a girl that I really liked, and her favorite person was the bass player for Duran Duran, John Taylor. Uh-huh. So I thought, dude, if I played bass, yeah, I could get this girl. So I just <laughs> dove into it, playing Glad. trombone and bass, and then and when I got to college, um, it was it was very apparent that there was no gigs on trombone, <laughs> and I was working all the time on bass. So I I decided, okay, let's let's make the shift. Yeah. So I gave the trombone up. Um what well, I I still have it out cuz yeah, I can I see that. It's fun to play lip slurs and scales and sure. I don't know. Um but I went on to bass with that and then started started really heavy heavy into uh you know doing jazz stuff and started playing upright. Yeah. And, um in college? That was yeah. <clears throat> I went to uh I actually started at UTA mm-hmm. my freshman year and that was where I met Joey Carter. Mm-hmm. He was finishing his his degree and I was starting. Uh, they have a great program. Oh, uh, they there. had a have a great program. I was I was doing trombone there with Andy Russell and that was that was an amazing thing and then I was playing doing bass lessons with Ed Garcia who is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was really a great learning time. Yeah. Great musicians to be around. Then I started playing in a band called tropics which mm-hmm. actually we have a reunion coming up it, it, it'll be we haven't played together in almost 25 years oh wow um it was a smooth jazz band yeah. in the in the early 90s and it was myself on bass i was i think i was 19 and it was tom birchill on guitar yeah renee ozuna on sax oh, yeah. and drew reese on drums and that was just like you said, always try to surround yourself with musicians better than you. And it Absolutely. was like, okay. The, I Man, I was trying so hard to keep up with these guys, <laughs> which was the, amazing. Yeah. But the cool thing was Tom was the director at Weatherford College. Mm-hmm. And this that this was the move to me that is the most essential in my career mm-hmm. was Tom was like, man, come out here. I'll teach you how to play upright, teach you yeah. how to play jazz. And I thought, let's do this. Uh, went from UTA to Weatherford. Mm-hmm. I went out there for two years, and that was that was a uh, probably the period that I learned the most musically. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, a, I call it my jazz boat period. <laughs> uh, I barely listened to anything outside of jazz in that time, which, you know, I think it's good for players to go through periods where you dedicate yourself to something. Absolutely. Um I'm still discovering stuff from the 90s that I'm like, "Oh, I never heard this." And yeah. my wife's like, "You're kidding me." It's like, "No, I didn't listen to the radio like yeah, right. if it wasn't Art Blakey or Miles Davis." Right. Or Coltrane. I'm like, "I'm sorry. I didn't I just didn't care." Yeah. Uh but musically it was it was growing. I learned how to play upright. I mm-hmm. played with musicians uh when I was there uh Fred Sanders on piano was there. Uh Keith Loftus was there. Uh JT Jason Thomas was oh, yeah. there on drums. Beast. Uh, there was there was an amazing group of talented people there, uh, and was really cool. Uh, the, a lot of the guys went to Arts Magnet High School in Dallas, uh-huh. and at that time, Roy Hardgrove was a senior there, uh-huh. so he would come over and we would have jam sessions on yeah. the weekends. Oh man, uh, Andrew Griffith on drums, who was a senior to it Arts Magnet, I believe, and it was it was just like this eye opening, yeah. very organic. This is really how you should learn jazz. Yeah, it was, it was like you learn it by playing it. And yeah, you're going to play it all the time. Yeah. I played jazz. Those guys made me play nonstop. Yeah. But the great thing about it was I, I finished there, and then the next step was go. Well, I need to go to a four year school. Well, UNT, and Tom Birchill really prepared me for that. He mm-hmm. he, uh, really, without him and and those guys that I played with there i would not have understood what jazz was yeah uh i that enabled me to keep my head above water at unt right i could read real well from my trombone days mm-hmm. and then i could actually now play jazz and i, I had a good foundation yeah uh and then I, yeah and then did unt and that was another where everything just blew up with yeah uh all this learning of playing with all these amazing musicians every right. day yeah just ridiculous musicians that you knew okay this person's going to be really special and then they do yeah and there's there's just countless stories of guys that I went to school with at UNT that yeah it's amazing in in every style of music yeah every style of music uh that's what was cool about it too yeah
0: a lot of tremendous UNT laureates Mm -hmm. not necessarily graduates Coming out of, right. uh, of of UNT, man, in the '90s, like uh, Carlock, Keith
1: Carlock. Yep. Carlock was was finishing up when I got there, man, and that was but he's you know he's one of my all time favorite drummers. He would he would always be the one, <clears throat> excuse me, he would always be the one that would play uh, for the recitals or for the uh, uh, clinics when uh-huh. artists would come in. Right, it would be like Lenny Stern, and it would be Lenny Stern with. Keith Carlock, and then they would have John Button on bass, right. who plays with the Who right now. Right, it it, it was stupid. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so you would, I remember going and trying to see every, you know, uh, type of clinic coming in to see Carlock play. Yeah. And then I would go see him play with he would he played in the Dallas Brass and Electric, mm-hmm. and they they were amazing cover band. Yeah. Show band in Dallas. Yeah. Man, you, I would just go watch him play Mustang Sally and be
0: floored. Yeah, and
1: just kill it. it. was, and, and and I was not the only one. There were, yeah, there was a loyal group of people that went every week to hear Carlock play <laughs> to watch him play cover mm-hmm. songs for, for real. Top and they, forty songs. Uh, drummers. Everybody, yeah. and they're like, and I bet he played the hell out of it. Oh, <laughs> it was stupid. It was. I mean, it was really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And He's, then he, when he moved to New York, uh, Tom Burchill, uh-huh. he went to. I think Carlock had been there for a year, maybe, mm-hmm. which is not long. You no. know, in New York, you got to pay your dues for sure. And he was doing; Carlock was rising really fast. Yeah. And Tom Burchill went to go see Carlock play at a jazz club, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Schofield sits next to uh, to Tom, yeah. and they start talking. Yeah. And Schofield said, "He goes, man, I've never seen anyone rise quicker in the New York scene." Ever. He's like this is unbelievable. Quicker than Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. he's like this. This guy's going to go like yeah. really far, and
0: and he did. And he, <laughs> he is. He's he's what the man. He on? He's on what Steely Dan, John Mayer. Uh, what's the other?
1: He's, he was doing, he's, doing Toto. He was the police. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> or I guess not Sting. the police, just Sting. Yeah. yeah, He did Sting for a long, maybe three years, maybe yeah. or
0: two, two three mean, years. That's I mean, it doesn't get any bigger
1: than that. No, that's, and he's he's such a great player and a great dude and absolutely just. That's it's, so cool. He's one of my all-time
0: favorites. I I always mm. circle back around to him. There's a collection of videos of him and Oz Noy and Will Lee yeah. playing in New York on, yeah. on YouTube. There's a concert that somebody broke up into a bunch of individual songs. I, I could do a
1: whole podcast on Will Lee and if you want. A man. Man, I, yeah, he's... Yeah. He's... Unbelievable. One of the most amazing people in the whole wide world. Yeah, I, I just... Have uh, you gotten to oh, work yeah, with very, him? Oh, yeah, very he's kind of maybe his mentor really yeah that's incredible um, but that group yeah that is an amazing thing but will uh long story short i wrote him a letter when i was in high school yeah <laughs> when he was on letterman and yeah. and, uh, and actually there's a little picture right there on that amp the little picture it's him oh yeah i had it on my amp <laughs> and i played i played trombone in the fourth youth jazz band uh-huh. we got to go play carnegie hall uh-huh. so i sent him my phone number sent an invite said hey i would love to have you come to the show yeah so he called me in my house uh, really? and we talked you know this is like 1989 wow and i was like oh, okay so uh came to the show <laughs> and he was the na- I man just unbelievable yeah. you know and i'm like oh my gosh so we Became good friends, yeah. and that's the, incredible. My dad's side of the family was from New Jersey, mm-hmm. so we would go there at, a lot of times once a year. Mm-hmm. So I would go into the city mm-hmm. and stay with him at his house, oh, and he wow. would take me to Letterman, take me to sessions. That's incredible. So just he's amazing. And then finally getting to play Letterman, you know, come full circle and get right. to play Letterman and see him. Yeah, and him to be so complimentary and yeah. you know, he uh, he's just amazing. And wow, he. He maybe him and Michael Rhodes are the two like they're 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 the best, some of the best bass players that have, have ever been. Sure. But until you see them live, you mm-hmm. don't get the full thing. Right. When you see Will Lee live, it it's an experience. Yeah. I mean, it wow. it'll change your I mean, it's just this energy. Yeah. And he dances and it's it's He's a big personality it's on not, stage corny at one bit it's it's right. just unbelievable yeah and you you have goosebumps from the second it starts and, and then it could be playing whatever tune <laughs> yeah but like you're talking about the osnoi trio with that oh yeah. it's so good carlock and willie oh, just they yeah.
0: lock in together so hard. oh yeah and oznoy is tremendous i love yeah. what listening to him he came to oh, to denton so, to dan silverleaf a couple of years ago who i remembered uh I- and this was i think uh this was Steve Pruitt played the drums with him. He just picked yep. up a band in, in town, Steve Pruitt, Love Steve. before he moved. Uh, also, just meteoric rise to popularity, Steve. Yeah. They, I mean, well-deserved. That guy yeah, is an unbelievable yeah, drummer. Yeah, he's
1: really, he's a monster.
0: Yeah, but uh, they, it was him, and uh, I don't remember who played bass off the top of my head.
1: Was it Jeff Plant, maybe? Uh, yes, it was yeah. Jeff
0: Plant, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. And just nailed it, like they'd been playing with him for years. Yeah. <laughs> they the, just
1: I, killed it. I didn't even think they rehearsed. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they those. That's a really good group. Just made charts. And I it. love Oz. Uh, I've been fortunate to see him a bunch over the years to see kind of how he's grown because mm-hmm. it, and it's amazing. But uh, the way that he uses loops in mm-hmm. his pedal board, the last yeah. time that I saw him was in Nashville, and and it was uh, it was just so amazing because he would he'd be playing. And he'd make a loop, but you wouldn't know. He and it would be like an ambient chord right. loop or something, and right. you wouldn't you wouldn't know. Right. And then he'd be, be playing, and then all of a sudden, when he'd go to a, the part of a solo where it needed to pick me up, the the loop would come in accompanying him. Right. And it, it was just a really cool way, very organic. Yeah. Uh, and. Really, really masterful. I yeah, thought that's incredible. I just think he's yeah, yeah he's he's so so good.
0: Yeah, and he well he approaches it from a totally different different standpoint uh, yeah. because of his background, and I, I think it's it's super unique because of that. He's right. got all these Eastern influences yes. in his playing and these these crazy scales and crazy yeah. ideas that he. I mean, melds. it's in his blood. And yeah, it's it's and it, natural he, for him. He, he you know? melds that in so flawlessly with you know modern and 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 old school style jazz that he's kind of just putting it all together, and right. it's super unique because of that, and and it's raw, super raw. You know his tones. He was playing an old basement for a long time, and it was just this natural, nasty, raw yeah. Fender, and that's not something tone. you would imagine from a fusion. Dude, no, it was like a it I was like a that. blues player, like a yeah. like a the tone of like a blues player playing this dirty jazz fusion, and I really like it. He's a two rock artist now, which oh, yeah. is I'm also a two rock artist. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, It was cool to get to to see to him do that but he's obviously a lot cooler and more popular than i am so it doesn't really matter that i'm a two rock artist no but that but can, sounds good but i can say that <laughs> or yeah. on john mayer is a two rock artist i can say that too but uh anyway yeah it's he's tremendous man and, and guys i like guess Schofield does that too the looping thing yes He'll loop a little phrase and then he'll turn it on in reverse and do all this crazy stuff. It's really fun to watch yeah. him do that. He's my one of my
1: he and Robin Ford are my two Schofield. favorite guitar players. I love Schofield. Schofield was one of the big inspirations for Bertha Coolidge. Yeah. Because we started playing uh, the was it, is it the Groovulation record? Yeah. Uh, just that came out and Dennis Erd went on bass. I was we were like, oh yeah. Yeah. So we were playing uh, the song Cool Groovulation. Everybody's party, mm-hmm. we those were kind of songs became standards at the Black Dog, <laughs> yeah. And that was when we were like, dude, this is I dig this kind of funky, yeah, you know, type of deal. Uh, and we weren't listening to a lot of the newer groups like Medeski Martin and Wood, they, people that we probably should have been listening to, sure. But we were like, we just kind of let it happen organically and yeah. and and what we liked and yeah, let's do this, don't and, force it, yeah, just let it be. Um, it, so that was yeah, Medesky, love Martin
0: some, and Wood is a band that I'm very hot and cold on, and it's track by track. I'll listen to all of their records. I celebrate them, but I don't like all of the songs. And it's only because I, I'm i not formally music trained in any kind of way. And so my, my knowledge of, of jazz it comes from a, an R&B standpoint. Right. Because I grew up on blues and Motown and R&B. And so my introduction to jazz was learning Stevie Wonder songs and looking at these chord charts going, I don't know what any of these chords are. You know, as a right, high school yeah. kid, you know, going, what, what is this? You know, yeah. and so having to go find a, a book and learn this chord and then going, okay, well, why? And then figuring out why. And that's, that was my knowledge and studying of music. And so when I, I never had my, I never had like a bitch's brew phase. When I listened to that, I respect it and I appreciate it. I just don't get it. Like I don't I don't understand it because I don't have that The amount of training and understanding of that genre that it takes to come back around
1: full circle—it's—it's not for everyone. Something like that. I'll
0: listen to it and appreciate it, but I get lost. I just—it doesn't. It's very
1: much like uh, stinky cheese from France, where you—it's like some (laughs) people, the people that love it, love it. Yeah, but the majority of people hate it. Yeah, and it stinks to them, and they hate it. And that's that's bitches (laughs) brew. I mean, it's—it's just—it's not for everybody. But it's—I
0: don't hate it. I just—I get lost. And and I don't like like I I consider myself reasonably accomplished as a musician and I and in the point of, from the point of understanding how things work I can play jazz I can play styles of music and and fit in and sound correct for the most part and then I listen to that and I just don't I don't, I get so lost right. and I get so uncomfortable <clears throat> I think it's just that and so when I listened to Mendesky Martin and Wood when I first got into Mendesky Martin and Wood my introduction to them was a handful of songs that were like that because right. they'll get weird on you real fast and it took me mustering through that to get to the songs that I could that I could latch onto, and then through the years of of John Medeski and John Schofield playing together, right, as much as they did, I came to really appreciate and go back and and go back to the Modesky Martin and Wood stuff, and uh, and get it way more. But M- John Medeski is the greatest organ player. It's great that is alive right now. So many great sounds. His, and his tones, really, yeah. his organ tones are. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand how he gets them and how he, he just understands that instrument so well. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch. Uh, I saw Tedeshi Trucks Band back Ooh. in August at Red Rocks. It was one of, the, uh, yeah. one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. I mean, in terms of, <clears throat> it was the Wood Brothers Open, wow. which is amazing. I love the Wood Brothers. Yeah. And before them, it was uh, members of Widespread Panic. It wasn't the band, but it was like a trio of, of widespread panic dudes. Which was cool. I'm into that a little bit, but not I didn't go crazy about it. Yeah. They were people wearing like tie dye. Oh, I'm sure they're yeah, they I mean, way into it, it. Yeah, that's a that's a, a culture that I don't will never understand. But uh, so it was a tremendous show from start to finish, but there was a two nighter of of those of that show and the night before we went on Sunday and on Saturday the night before we were there John Medeski was playing and I was so mad that we didn't get to go the night before because I had right. the option to oh, go to that yeah. show and I picked the Sunday show because it was an earlier like a matinee thing and I was in town visiting my mom in Denver and so I was like okay well I'll hang out Saturday and then we'll go in the afternoon and it'll be fine and then I found out that <laughs> John Modesky played with him the night before and I was so oh. mad I was so mad at myself uh, I would have I would have enjoyed that. That Tremendous would have been a good show. uh Kofi Burbridge mm-hmm. who plays with them yep. and uh, I saw t- uh Derek Trucks band back probably 8 years ago at the Granada. Yep. Gary Clark Jr. <clears throat> opened <clears throat> for him with JJ Johnson on drums and then
1: they all jammed at the end and that was one of the one oh, yeah. of the
0: best shows I've ever seen at Granada Derek, for sure.
1: Derek is uh is a very special person. Yeah. Uh and I and I mean that I mean like that's in, in in humanity, everything he's a very he's dif- he's different than than ninety nine point nine percent of the people on this planet. Yeah, and he's man, he's another person I've had. A, <clears throat> I've been very fortunate to have good experiences with, and he's yeah. just it's it's magic. You hear it, and yeah. like we were talking about Will Lee seeing him live. Yeah, you hear Derek Trucks, and yeah. it, it well, it's like oh. Oh, that's what it's supposed to yeah. sound like.
0: It's it's tremendously moving. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: seeing the Derek Trucks band, yes. I was I was in I everyone mean, in that
1: band. I was into that band so
0: head to toe. Yes. I mean, every record, yep. every song. I mean, I was in all the worldly influence and all the stuff. I was way into it. Yep. Uh, you know, when I was in my early twenties, Yeah, I was is just just. Mm. Unbelievable, and yeah. so I when I saw that it was just like I was floored by that, and then seeing the incarnation of the the melding of the two bands and and Susan who just wails. I mean, she I don't know it's, where that voice comes out. Yeah, of her. she's so little, and it was just an unreal show. But Kofi wasn't there because he was sick during that show that I saw. Oh dang! And they had a keyboard player. Uh, uh, I can't. I I, I don't want to say his name wrong. Uh, I'm going to look it up while we're talking. Uh, But it was a guy that I had never heard of out of L.A., uh, this organ player that was filling in. And he blew my mind. And uh, I looked him up, and he's got a band.
1: That would be a fun gig to sub in, wouldn't it? Oh,
0: man. Man. (laughs) It's like,
1: hey, you get to play with Tedeschi Trucks tonight.
0: Yeah, Kerry Frank is his name. He's uh, an L.A. organ player. And he, I mean, he blew my mind. I, obviously, he's—you've got to be really good to step into that yeah, band yeah. as a sub, you know, to get that gig. And then I found out that this dude has his own band. And this is—I I don't like social media. I hate it. I—I'm right. I, an extremely reserved and private person. I don't like people to know where I am all the time. I don't need people to know what I ate for lunch. Right. I don't subscribe to that. If it weren't for my job, I wouldn't have one. Mm-hmm. I would get rid of all of it, and I would move to the mountains, and I would just live yes. off the land. You know, that's yep. how I would operate. No, I, I'm right there with you. But I say of that to say that if it weren't for social media, I would never find out about guys like this.
1: Oh, th- this day and age, like I always, like, you sound like an old person, but it's like uh, when I was younger. But yeah, it, it's the amount of information and how readily available it is. Is yeah. It's amazing! Wow, it just makes it so much fun. Like you said, yeah, you can look that guy up.
0: Yeah, I just they said his name, I looked him up, and then there he was. And he's this relative. I mean, he's not unknown. And people, he does a lot of things, but he's you know he's not on the level of some of the other guys. And he's every bit as good as all anyone I've ever seen on the organ. And uh, he's got a trio. I found out they just released a record, an organ trio. Record like Schofield type, you know, funky jazz type yeah. stuff. I'll give it. I'll, I'll tell you about it when we get done here and play yeah. you some of it. And it's unbelievable. It's so good. So if you're if you're listening, Carrie Frank is is his name. The White Blinds is the name of the band. So check that out. I don't know. We've never met. I don't know him. He's not paying me to say that. <laughs> but it's really really good so yeah i was pleased to see that but i was kind of mad that i didn't get to see medesky because i've never seen him live i and that's yeah, yeah, I that's on my list it. of of people that i have to see and he's not yeah. in danger of going anywhere but no they're they're still
1: way young and yeah but things. he just
0: doesn't come down here that much yeah you know and since the wood brothers took off the Modeski martin and wood thing kind of slowed down it's,
1: we even you know that the sad reality is that we, we don't get a lot of that in texas yeah they, those yeah. Those groups don't come to Texas a lot and it's it's sad to say but yeah. it's just true. The Wood Brothers played Granada last night. With, wow, well there you go. That's Yeah, that's a rare it's, treat.
0: It is. It's yeah. once or twice a year that they'll that they'll come down here but they'll sell it out. So, you know, why not, I guess, but that's one of my favorite bands the Wood Brothers. Yeah. I really like those dudes, but anyway, I uh, got off on that weird tangent, but I, that's... No,
1: versatility, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I like mean, this.
0: to be that to be that guy and to be that tremendous... Another thing about that show, that Tedeshi uh, Truck show, was they had a trombone player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that girl. She, yeah. She rocks. I didn't know... I, the last time I had seen them in a video or on whatever live yeah. stream I watched, she wasn't with them. And when we got there, I said, oh, they've got a new trombone player, and she, she's this, this girl. And she... Was taking solos and she was dancing. And yeah, she she's was great, really she good was stage presence. So good. Yeah, if uh, you, I mean, because any videos I've ever seen of that band, the horn players don't really take solos. They don't really. Right, they're, they're just, kind of. They're, a, not, they're, they're just, just pads. Yeah, they're just hanging they're out. Accompaniment. Yeah. And and she took multiple solos, yeah. And it was like it was in, and, and they were good. Like I mean, I'm not saying that like, like I'm surprised, but you know no. what I mean. Like, but I wasn't used to that. Yeah, and she, so it seems for her to step into that gig and then be so good to get solos right. over top of Derek Trucks and Kofi and whoever's playing the all right. the soloists they have in the band. Like it was, it was really cool to see that. You yeah. know, and and I I feel like that band comes from the same. Uh, mentality that I come from uh, when I run my band So I run a 7-8 piece band with horns and keys and all that stuff and I like to feature the people in my band right. people, uh, I, came, well, I came up doing blues trio, our blues R&B trio stuff where I play a solo in almost every song, it was horrible it was too much, it was too much guitar playing in right. a 4 hour gig, I don't need to take a solo in every song but I'm the only person, I'm accompanying singing, soloing, it was too much so when I got to this big band setting about 5 years ago I said, well, I've got all these soloists. All my horn players are soloists, all three of them. I have a keyboard player who's a great soloist. I can solo. We've got five people in the band now yeah. that can take mix solos. It,
1: mix it up and I don't need it. to
0: take a solo. I take maybe three or four in a yeah. show now, or less, if I want to, and I feature the guys. And, and And what I like to do, and I tell the guys you know, when they join the band, when you're in a setting where it's time to take solo, I'm going to give you as long as you need. I don't care if it's eight bars. I don't care if it's three minutes. Take your time. Say something. Right. Formulate a thought, and and feel good about about the the journey of the right. of the of the story that you're going to tell someone during the solo.
1: And I love doing that. It, that's, an, that's a that's beauty when you have people you can trust absolutely, and you know, like okay, I want to see where this guy takes it. He can yeah. do whatever, and in you have that trust in everybody in the band. Yeah, the variety then it opens up. Yeah like uh, absolutely it's it's awesome and
0: i tell them just when you're done just look at me and we'll move on and the song keeps going and everyone in the band understands that and i love that and it frustrates a lot of people who have known me since before that Mm -hmm. because they were used to me playing a lot of guitar and so now they'll come to a show and they'll go like why didn't you didn't even take a solo in this set and i'll go well it's not about that you know it's about everything else and that was something i noticed about the tedeschi trucks band uh and a lot of those jam style bands is they'll they'll go this guy is it's his turn now and right. then everyone will take a step back and just watch and that guy will showcase himself and yeah. i i was they did that for this trombone player several times yes and and it was so good
1: yeah she's she's really good uh The trumpet player Ephraim Owens. Mm -hmm. He was one of my sweet mates in college. Oh, wow. At at Weatherford College. He was one of the guys. Yeah. And he's just soulful, always soulful. Uh, The ladies' man. He is, (laughs) he's just, he's awesome. Um, But it's so good to see him in that band. And I noticed, uh, I saw him at the Ryman last year and noticed that that girl trombone player she did she took a lot of solos she did and visually it's she's really good she wears these awesome dresses and yeah. she's rocking she's
0: dancing and yeah. she's having a good time I mean how could you not be yeah. in that band I would I mean yeah. I don't know it's what pretty I would sweet. do also Tim LaFave on bass you gotta
1: say that doesn't yeah. get any
0: better than that
1: I mean, no that he, guy, it, it does not I mean that guy's crazy he's, good he's, he's, he's Tim is who I want to be when I grow up yeah uh, do you have yeah. a relationship
0: with Tim a little bit yeah, yeah.
1: we years ago um he was doing the crisp body gig i believe it was and we ran into each other in the airport traveling mm. and he was by himself and and uh i was on a southwest flight so when we got on the plane i was like Man, I'm, i think i'm going to sit next to him and and we knew i knew who he was because yeah. of, he was playing in groups with, with carlock in new right. york city right. so i knew tim and uh we sat there and we're just geeked out for the whole flight talking yeah. about bass stuff <laughs> and, and so we'll text each other a lot and, yeah you know see what's what we're doing and yeah i love him yeah he 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 just plays bass like it should be played yeah he seems like meat such and a potatoes nice he could do he could do any crazy thing in the world but he yeah. doesn't he plays bass yeah. and and it's it's perfect yeah it's real good for sure he seems like a super nice guy he's yeah very very sweet yeah that's yeah, good. and and I remember hearing a it was an interview with Derek Trucks talking about uh, when Tim joined the band mm-hmm. that that was when everything changed. Yeah, he goes the band finally became what I wanted it to be and yeah and got to the level. It's like wow, that yeah. says a lot because for sure no one was a slack before. No, no, and that's a band of all just all-stars. to be a bass player to come in and do your deal and yeah. Yeah Tim. That's so cool. He's great.:
0: Nothing against Oteal.: No I mean, that that's what is. I was shocked to hear. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what That guy is Oh, crazy he's good. so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh-huh. they had Eric Krasno doing bass when Oteal left for a few months before Tim yeah. joined, uh, who's one of my favorite guitar players, Eric Krasno. Uh, he co wrote a lot of those Tedeshi Truck songs too. Okay. He produced a bunch of Do you know oh, who Eric I is? Know. I don't know. Eric from... Krasno, do you know who Lettuce is? The yes. band Lettuce. He was one of the founding members of Lettuce, one of the guitar players. He's okay. the one that did all the solos that sounded like John Schofield. He was doing that because <laughs> Scofield okay. Schofield is like his guy. Yeah. And, so, uh, and then Soul Live, he was the yes. guitar player in Soul Live. Okay. Uh, Eric Krasno. A lot of producing, uh, a lot of uh, different. He's got his hand in a lot of projects, but he co wrote a whole bunch of that Tedeshi Truck stuff, or he co writes with them. Yeah. And collaborates with them. And so when O'Teal left, he played bass for a couple of tours and then they got Tim LeFave. Uh so and I'm sure he killed it too, because he wrote a lot of those songs. So whatever but oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He's a tremendous guitar player. He takes after Schofield a whole lot.
1: Which that's uh, a good thing
0: in my book. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. One of my one of my favorites for sure. And and Krasno is one of my favorite guitar players. Uh but he's got a really good ear for for uh soul funk R and B type stuff. Yeah. Eric does. Uh, He plays a lot of different styles. He's got a whole bunch of different incarnations of himself, which I really appreciate. Uh, Different bands that he'll just throw together for a a string of gigs doing this kind of thing. And then he'll go do something else. And then he'll go play with this band. And he'll do that. And he's a chameleon in that way. And I respect that a ton. Yeah. A lot of those guys. Lettuce is one of the biggest influences for the band that I run. Because it's just it's so funky. It's yeah. just so aggressively funky. <laughs> yeah, you can't go
1: wrong with funky.
0: No, right. I really like that. Uh, Adam Deitch. I follow Adam Deitch on, on Instagram pretty closely. I've, I'll, he's always posting clips of, of things that he's doing and stuff he's producing. And He yeah. does that uh, Schofield, the four-piece thing. Adam Deitch does. And he'll do live hip-hop. He'll do breakbeat stuff. He's got a band called Break Science, which is crazy breakbeat, yes. like, EDM stuff. Yeah,
1: to me, that's where it's at, is is variety and versatility. Yeah. Um, we I talked about Will Lee earlier. That was a person I modeled myself after mm-hmm. at that, in the, that time in the late 80s. And I was totally fascinated by Will's versatility and his ability to do any style of music. So that's one thing I really tried to do was you know just try to be aware of and 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 know about yeah. most of the styles and 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 like you said mix it up one night do yeah it's it's fun i think it's i think it's a good yeah. thing well, certain you, people don't enjoy that as much but to me right. that's that's the enjoyment of it
0: yeah well, it keeps you fresh it keeps mm-hmm. you growing as a musician you know i, I you don't want to be stagnant i think that's a, a big difference between especially on this local scene a big difference between the musicians and and the 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 people who are just in in a band doing doing that band right i mean that's that's there's a lot of people who i i know this person because they play with this band and they only do that and they only play with this band and there's nothing wrong with that but that's that's what they do and for me I play in a a lot of different bands and a lot of different styles, and people will call me to play organ on this project, or guitar on this project, or come sing harmonies on this project. And that's I I value myself as as that person, and I think that that's for me that's way more fulfilling because I get to see a lot more aspects of of the local and regional scene and i just i if i you know i get bored with my own band if we play too many gigs right. you know what i mean if we do too much in a yeah. row you know I, you know there was a time where we were touring a ton and we were playing you know the same songs and it's fun cuz it's improvisational and it's different but there it gets You know, it's the same thing over and over again. And that we were saying that earlier, getting playing that you have to figure out those those ways to entertain yourself and keep it fresh without figure out
1: different things to focus on. Yeah, without getting
0: bored. And and Mm -hmm. I you know, we never got popular enough that it was an issue, but it was Definitely something that I addressed. It's like, all right, like this is we need to do something, and you can't change the songs up because we just released a record, so we right. have to play these songs. Yeah, you have so to do that. It's, it's a really interesting thing, but I don't know. I I never have been on the the platform that you that you got to be on, so I don't really know what that's like. But I can imagine it would be trying.
1: It is trying. It's trying. I mean, it's very it exciting when a new record comes out. You're yeah. you're really excited about all the new songs that yeah. are going to kind of be added to the set list, but. Yeah. Uh, Once it, once usually when the tour once it starts rolling and you, everything fits into place, then it doesn't change much. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So variety is it's it's nice. I think. Yeah, I think it's really fun. I love doing, like a straight ahead gig, and then the next night, Texas country gig or uh, whatever type of thing it is. Yeah, I think it keeps just like you said. Keeps you uh, this is inspired. A good, this is a good scene for that. It is a very good scene for that. This, this DFW scene is good for having that. Having traveled um, extensively in the in the US, there's amazing scenes all over the country. Mm-hmm. Scenes that I was I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know existed, and you go out to a club and hear a band. It's like whoa, yeah, wow. Where what is this? Yeah. Um, but I think the DFW scene uh, with Dallas Fort Worth and in the Denton. So mm-hmm. the whole triangle, mm-hmm. um, it's some of the highest level of musicianship in the country. Yeah. If not the world, uh, it really is, uh, especially horn players. Yeah. Horn players in this area are are world class. Yeah. Because, um, you Definitely. know, there's so many great schools. You add up how many big bands are at all those great universities in mm-hmm. this area. It's a lot of horn players. Yeah. And that's every year there's, there's that. So some of them stay. Yeah. Some of them move on, go live in LA or New York or, or Paris or wherever. Right, South Korea, like Steve. Yeah, any anywhere, and then just do great there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, horn players in this area are real strong. Yeah. Uh. I mean every instrument really, but I think horn players above all. Yeah. Re- just better than anywhere. Yeah. For sure. Like in Na- Nashville, to me, guitar and bass player wise is that's that's where it just freaks you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think here you got man, yeah. some good good tenor sax players.
0: Yeah, I've been really lucky uh, in my five year uh, time of having a, a full horn section that I've never been without guys that could uh, go above and beyond the call of right. the gig, you know, and, and mm. really put their put their style on it on yep. the, on the charts and on the book. And it's been really fun experiencing that. The guy I have now is twenty years old. Uh, he's a sophomore, I think, at UNT. Uh, Addison Jordan is his name, and he is one of the best that I've played with. Yeah, at 20 years old, he's unbelievably mature about right. his approach to the to music, and he's a tremendous jazz player, and he's a tremendous at the R and B stuff that we do. And he can jump out on bebop. He can jump out on, on He just he just understands music. Right, and it's to be 20 years old. And to have that that grasp of of the music yeah. is just and to be better than than most of the sax players that we've had. You know, the older yeah. guys besides Renee. I got to play with Renee a few times. Oh, and so that good. guy that guy blows my mind. Yeah. And he's the nicest guy on the planet.
1: And he's yeah. just and he'll
0: come in and so just funny.
1: annihilate you. We call game. it excitement makers. I mean it's you do not want to solo after Renee. No. It doesn't matter who you are. No. You don't want to solo just, after Renee. Yeah. Um, it's mind blowing. He makes all the girls swoon. And <laughs> yeah, it just that sound. You know, yeah. it's just in, instant. Uh, yeah, it actually. You know, I I think Derek Trucks. It's I call it the zero to sixty mm-hmm. in in that. Yeah, Renee can hit a note, and it's like, oh man, it it just instantly hits you. And Derek Trucks is the same way. Oh yeah, it just hits, yeah. and it's it's there. There's yeah. no ramping up. Yeah, and uh, for sure, and Renee is so good at that. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I I want you to come out and, and hear what we're doing. We've, we're doing some local stuff coming up this yeah. month. And if you're free, I would love for you to I would come love check to. it out. I want to. I want to. And, and see this guy, Addison. He's he's tremendous. And uh, we've been really lucky to have Sean Martin do some gigs with us lately. Sean okay. Martin from Snarky Puppy. Oh, yeah, one yeah. Of the keyboard, one of the keyboard players from Snarky yeah. Puppy. And that guy is another one of, of those people, like you were just saying, where he made... Like there there were times where I really thought we were doing good, and I'm really like I would go all right like this is this is good, like we're doing something here, and then he steps on stage and then everything elevates two more levels because he's that right, good. you all know right. what i mean yeah it, there
1: there are players that do that, oh my You're god,
0: right. and he's he's on he's on another planet, mm-hmm. Sean is, and it's I've been so lucky to get to become f- musical friends with with him. And he sat in, uh, the first time he sat in with us, I was doing a residency here locally on Wednesday nights. We played to like 15 people without the horns, just a four piece, and we were just doing R&B stuff, standards and, and just jamming on stuff. And that dude, like, there was a time where I was just I was playing behind him. He was taking a solo and you know just take your time type of solo, and I caught myself like I had stopped playing, yeah, (laughs) because I was so zoned in on what he was doing. I stopped comping him. Forget where you are, (laughs) and you're just like I had to like, oh crap, I'm (laughs) I'm on the oh I'm I'm on stage right now. Yeah, just watching. So those dudes like that are, are are really. Invaluable, and he's made me a better player just because of that. Like I'm, I'm now I'm trying to play for him. Like I'm trying to do something and make him turn his head. You know, right? He's one of those guys. So it's this, like, yeah, this scene is is really is really cool. I've been in Fort Worth. I grew up just north of Denton, and went to high school in Denton, and then moved here about five years ago. I lived in Denton until I moved here. Okay, and uh, the Fort Worth scene. I think it's I think Fort Worth specifically. The whole DFW scene is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, between what the, the Grits are doing over in Dallas, Eric Badu and those guys, and then mm. the whole UNT scene. But I think Fort Worth is, is becoming this melting pot of. of There's
1: a, a huge variety of scene here. Yeah. Um, lots of different pockets of cliques of musicians that are really, really great. Yeah. Um, all very respectful of each other. Absolutely. That. that Come out to shows to support each other it's yeah. it's a cool a cool environment yeah
0: did you ever move up to Nashville and live up there?
1: I never did um the time that we tried uh the housing market was just not good, mm-hmm. and here we could not sell our house yeah. and so now you know we're back here, and you know I, it's it was fun I, I I was there over a month of the year mm-hmm. combined yeah a lot of time. so it kind of became a second home yeah uh and and I, I definitely became a part of that scene right uh and that's what's gonna be kind of fun now coming back here is getting plugged back in and meeting new people like yourself and sure. meeting people it's like oh wow i haven't yeah i've been gone for 12 years and haven't uh, <laughs> yeah i haven't done this yeah so. i guess you it,
0: lose touch i guess when you're on the road as much as you guys were with Miranda, I mean, you guys were You're out in a bubble constantly.
1: You're in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, it it got less um, toward the later part of the years, and then in the beginning, we were out. Yeah, you know, just you have to you have to do it like a rock and roll band, old Absolutely. school. Yeah. go and and play every dog and pony show you can. Yeah, and it worked. And it yeah, it does. I mean, you, and that's that's the other lesson I learned. You know, really working with her was perseverance mm-hmm. it 's amazing, work hard, yeah, and see how hard you have to work yeah it's it's, yeah. no matter what you do yeah um if you 're you know a doctor, a lawyer, plumber, electrician, yeah so whatever you 're doing you 've got to work hard yeah, at it to make sure. it a, be at a high level if you want to succeed and be very successful, yeah, so that was a huge, kind of cool lesson to see, yeah, just stick at it, just go, and that kind of was how I had patterned my Freelance career as a bass player yeah. was okay. I'm I'm going. I'm not going to turn down a gig. Yeah, I've taken gigs. I didn't even know how to play the style of music yeah. and figured f- fell on my face. <laughs> but then by the end of it, you know, I got back up and yeah, you know, you learn. Yeah, but it's like man, I'm, I'm just going to go keep yeah. you know keep on trucking. That's a good motto.
0: Yeah, you got to have the right mentality for that though, because yeah. there's a lot of people that would do that and then totally clam up and be done with it. You know, right, you have and to I, have the the, pers- the personality that's willing to to fail right. and learn mm-hmm. and not fail and, and quit yeah know? that's this industry will destroy you if you're if you're the second type of personality that's like right. that it'll chew you up and spit you out so fast real if quick you can't take criticism yes and if you you know if you're afraid of of not succeeding it's yeah. not the right industry no <laughs> no not begin. at all
1: you see people and you know okay that person's not going to last yeah. at all they're they're yeah. going to be gone quick
0: yeah and it's a shame but, yeah. you know but you gotta it takes a it takes a really specific type of person to want to do this for a living yeah
1: <laughs> maybe I don't know. it's no it does it, it takes and it takes a very specific type of person for them to succeed yeah for um, sure and that's probably why a very small percentage of people do succeed yeah because they've got to be yeah. you know' Because, I mean man beyonce is where she's at mm-hmm. it would blow people's minds if they knew how hard she worked oh yeah 24 hours a day for sure seven days a week never stop yeah and she's a mom i mean like dude she's a full-time mom yeah but she's where she's at because she is such a hard worker yeah and yeah. you whatever you're doing you've got to do that man and and you if and all the people that are usually successful they're really good at it yeah um some yeah. of them are not easy to work with because they're very you know uh forward forward thinking about what they want and it can be harder but man those guys are successful cuz they work hard yeah it's really good
0: yeah that's yeah that's what it takes and it's mm-hmm. it's you have to be one of those people that understands that practicing is fun learning new things is fun and yes. and that's that was always really hard for me as a kid because I didn't ever take lessons so I didn't really know how to practice right and I had to learn <clears throat> later in life how like if I needed to make charts for a set like, this is how you do it. This is how I learn it without right. you know, doing it wrong and practice this style. And, this yeah. is a, and that's, you you know, if you're not, if you don't enjoy that part of it. Right. That's
1: one thing. It. Any, any musician that, I mean, I, I say any musician that loathes practicing, I, there's a lot of musicians that would say that they hate practicing, but, yeah. but you have to like it to some extent to be successful because there's a lot of it you have to do. Yeah. You have to practice a lot. And yeah. if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. Like you just said, if you if you don't really find enjoyment, it's going to be harder to succeed at a high level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unless you're, you know, there are the very very few people that are amazingly talented that don't have to work at it. Right. But most of the part, most of the time, it's yeah. You know, that's what my father taught me at an early age was work ethic, and it's like, man, you got to work, and no matter what you do, and that was, and it was Tom Burchill who really pushed me over the edge with like knowing. How to practice and what to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the this is what you need to practice because you're going to see this on gigs. Right, ten years down the road. Right. Okay, that's. I'm going to take note of this. Invaluable. So yeah, having someone help you with that. Yeah, I remember Tom had a had a piece of paper. It was like a spreadsheet thing he made, and it was. I and I've I've experimented with this. Uh, that my friend Rich Stitzel, the drummer, is doing Mm -hmm. that drum mantra, and it's. You know, it's drumming with yoga, kind of meditation c- combining. Yeah. And it, I have been working on a practice-like regiment thing, more like uh, like a circuit training type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the idea that Tom Burchill had, where it was like, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm practicing scales. Right. And you would set a timer. And beep, 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 10 minutes is up. Okay, yeah. now for 30 minutes, I'm going to practice uh, uh, tunes, learning tunes. Right. And You work on that. It's done. Uh, now I'm going to practice metronome with tempo, maybe faster picking to kind of work on speed. Yeah, right. Do that for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and that was really neat for me to see yeah. how Tom, he did that every day. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing. I, I still have it in one of my books somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that was seeing that, like, okay,
0: yeah. I have to do this. This is how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the behind-the-scenes stuff. All the all your favorite and, musicians, they all did that. Yeah. And
1: the, and the big the big uh, key awakening thing which is dumb that it took me this long to realize but you know you go through a public school music system Mm -hmm. it's all about reading on the page Mm -hmm. you learn about everything you learn about dynamics you learn about all this amazing stuff Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until i really started studying with tom birchill that i understood music is aural it's listening right because that's what the the guys would say Mm -hmm. fred sanders man what sides are you checking out yeah and I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, are you, what are you listening to? Yeah. And he's like, you got to be listening all the time. Yeah. And that was when I, I remember I got Art Blakey Caravan. Yeah. That They gave me that tape. Yeah. And I put it on in my car, and I listened to that over and over and over and over for months. Yeah. Just cranked up <laughs> and blown away with the things that I heard. Yeah. Uh Internalized. Just everything. It was like, oh my gosh, this is a world I've never, didn't realize. Duh, it's music. You listen with your ears. I should be listening more Mm. and really processing everything that's going on. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And then the other great thing about that, and I I talked about Fred Sanders, he had a great saying that I still say to this day there's no such thing as bad music. Right. There's music played badly. (laughs) All right. But there's no such thing as bad music. And I'm, I'm like, that's a pretty wise thing you yeah. know and that's that's why I've always tried to be very open to music even yeah. if I don't care it's something that doesn't interest me I'll give it a little bit and listen sure because I've been at times uh, open like, oh wow I, I didn't know about this this yeah. is really cool having uh, teenage kids my daughter's 18 and my son's 20 yeah I, I try to keep a tab of what they're listening to because my daughter her tastes are crazy and I'm always hearing new groups yeah yeah uh, some of it I don't like at all. Yeah. Some of it I'm I'm really like. Yeah. Uh, sure. So there's a lot I of think good stuff. It's it's that's the other thing about you know we talk about versatility, mm-hmm. working really hard, but being open minded. Yeah. For you know, sure. There are there are musicians that do their they're in their bubble and they do this thing if they that's what they do yeah. and they, they 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 don't vary out of that. That's right. fine. Right. But but man, I'm it's I'm excited to learn about you know. A type of music that i've never heard right and diving into it and yeah. going okay um years ago my, my dad gave me an ipod that he got from mm-hmm. a coworker, and on the ipod uh it was from a hispanic guy and he had tons of these mexican bands yeah and a lot and yeah. then a lot of like gangster rap yeah and i <laughs> both genres i had no clue yeah so i got it and i i went through that thing every song and like what is what is this? And what, I'd look up the group and yeah. online and see. Okay, and then I found out I love banda music. Okay, I love it. It's yeah. the tuba, and it's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and like I discovered all this thing, and then I discovered. Yeah, and like my wife gives me a hard time. I discovered <laughs> Dr. Dre and right. some Eminem stuff way past the, and Snoop <laughs> right. Dogg, but yeah. I love this stuff I discovered. Yeah, it's it very was, musical. It, I felt like a little kid again. You know, you yeah. uh, and I, I attribute that to not being closed-minded be open-minded Yeah, just give it a chance for sure uh, there's some amazing stuff
0: yeah even that hip-hop stuff from the 90s was very oh, it's
1: very musical Dr. Dre is a genius yeah. man his his engineering alone yeah. like very you musical. don't that's one thing unless you're a geek you don't think about yeah. Dr. Dre's engineering right yeah, he Man. made he
0: made all of that music. Oh, it's it's brilliant.
1: He it's, created it, it. It's it's he composed it. Grammy winning engineering when Absolutely. he was a teenager. Absolutely, it's it's shocking. Yeah. But I love discovering all that and th- going. Okay, I like this. I don't like this. You know, and I would yeah. I would delete it on the iPod. And I, yeah. I kind of took my time sifting through it. Yeah. When I was done, it was just I I had learned appreciation for something that I didn't yeah. know I uh, I would appreciate.
0: Yeah. To that point, I when I hear people say that something is bad musically to the same point that you were just making i try i do my best to not be a dick about it but i'll try to correct them and say it's not bad just because you don't like it right if it's gotten popular enough if a genre or an artist that's in a genre that you don't listen to regularly has gotten popular enough that you're now hearing about it it's good because enough people like it that it's getting popular enough to get on your desk Right. right so so it's not bad. It's, it, you don't like it and there's nothing wrong with that, but don't don't badmouth something just because you don't like it. Oh, like yeah. I I didn't grow up on country music. I'll I'll say this candidly to all of the thousands of people who are going to listen to this <laughs> podcast. I didn't grow up listening to country music. I grew up on a quarter horse ranch in the middle of the country. But my mom's from LA. And my dad's from Beaumont. So he's way into blues and Delta music. And my right. mom's from L.A. So she was into like Tower Power and Curtis Mayfield, that kind of stuff. So that was my musical upbringing. It was, it was R&B and blues. Yeah. And so we never listened to country music until I got into like high school. And my mom inadvertently showed me some Garth Brooks, which if you're going to start listening to country music, that's probably not the best place to start.
1: But then, it's... But it's it was, one of the most exciting it was, and at that time. Very to get you.
0: It was very easily accessible. It. Yes, because he's a powerful performer, and it, and was, I, quali-
1: and it was quality. I mean, it, it is. Oh man, I really love it. Songs. I'm not at
0: all saying anything bad about it. I love no. it. I saw him when he was in Dallas a couple of years ago doing that string of shows. But it's no, but one I know what the the you're best best saying. I know what you're saying. But in terms of country music, like you know, I, a person would maybe start with Merle Haggard or something like that. And so I didn't get into that at all. And I. When I moved to Fort Worth 5 years ago, I got into a, a classic country cover band as a bass player and harmony singer. And I had to chart out every song. Right. <laughs> because I'd never heard any of them. And this is I mean, and I'm now I know better, we were playing this most standardist of standards, <laughs> country yeah. music standards, and I didn't know any of them. And I remember on the fly we we had uh, Roger Ray, you know Roger oh, yeah. probably. He's great, unbelievable pedal steel player. Yeah, we had uh, Big Mike, local uh, musician, phenomenal. Monk. He was playing piano. Uh, Brad Swigger playing drums. Dang, uh, it a, was a crazy yeah, good, a band. good band. It was really fun. We just did it on Mondays, just for fun. It was just a, a group of friends playing music. And uh, I remember they called out a song that wasn't on our set list, uh, "Silver Wings," which is probably the most standard of standard right. country music songs, and I had never even heard of it. And so it's obviously I followed it because it's not that difficult to follow but i remember they called it out on the fly and everyone went oh yeah okay let's do it this key okay yeah all right let's go and they counted it off and i'm looking around panicking cuz right. I, I don't know what's going on <laughs> and i stopped i said whoa whoa hang on a second like you got to tell me what's going on and they said what do you mean i said well i don't know what that is and they said, all, all of, i was verbally accosted for weeks Brent. after that
1: mm-hmm. yep cuz i just have as, didn't well, you up, been, as but, well i should have been, but, i know that now for but, sure like you had said it's just, you have to learn I didn't how to take idea. that and and go oh you know what i got to figure this out
0: i yeah and i and i did and it was all it was all fine and good but you know it that's exactly to the point is i didn't come up on that stuff but if i hadn't been open-minded to it i wouldn't have joined the band in the first place if i hadn't been open-minded to it but you know it's i never i just didn't do that i didn't know anything about it and so and then then since then i've had a crash course since that band we did that for like two years And then now playing in all these Texas country bands and, you know, you have to learn all the siglicks and do all that stuff. So I I, I try to correct people when they say that. This is terrible music. Well, it's not terrible music. There's something in it that you like. Right. Uh, You know, I would go see country bands, even back then when I wasn't really into it, and I would see them and I would see this band that was good. You know, this guitar player is blowing my mind. I don't like the music as much, but this guy's right. You
1: find something to focus yeah, on, yeah, and right.
0: then I can be positive about it, and I can come away from it uh, in a positive way. When I was night, I was no, I was twenty one or twenty two. I was handed a pair of tickets to a Brad Paisley concert, and I didn't even know who Brad Paisley was <laughs> when I was like right. twenty two, and he was, you know, he was already gigantic right, yeah. performer. And it was at a, a place in Dallas. It was the uh, the the Jexa right. Pavilion, outdoor whatever daily. whatever it is now. <clears throat> And I was somebody won tickets on a, on the radio, and it was like fifth row center center stage, fifth row. They won these tickets and couldn't go. And they said, "Oh, do you want these?" And I said, "Sure, why not?" I don't know what this is. I looked it up. I was like, "All right, this might be cool." I've never been more blown away. Oh yeah, by it, something in my entire not, life.
1: It's not what you expect. You hear him on the radio. Oh my god! And you you have this perception, much like we were talking earlier. You'd see someone live and yeah. to see this, witness it. You don't realize his, I, his guitar, uh, I, Fury, oh until you... Oh, that's... It's, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: And, and Fury is a strong word, yeah, and that's an understatement for yeah. what Brad Paisley does on the guitar. He,
1: he is so smart, and uh, we, we did uh, some tours with him, and to witness it night after night, and to to see what he was doing. Yeah. He's a genius in the fact that he is playing... Whidely, I call it Whidely guitar, which I love. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I grew up on that Steve, like, Joe Satriani, Eric Johnson, turkey gobbling. I, it's, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> he is doing that, yeah, to sold out arenas and stadiums, yeah. And a- every song live of his, yeah. has long extended solos. Yes, sometimes multiple minutes of soloing. Yes, where like you would normally think this is would be like Eric Johnson, right? But he's doing it with this amazing video that he he, he does all of it. He, he draws all the cartoons. Really, he designs it all. I didn't know that. So he's he's created this multimedia experience. Yeah, it was nuts with his guitar as the soundtrack, and yeah. it's it's brilliant. I yeah. mean, it's like I mean he's doing what Eric Johnson would want to do, right? But in stadiums and arenas, right. and and right. and having a radio career, right? Yeah, it'll blow you yeah. away. Well, I, I'm had sure no, you,
0: I had no idea what I was getting into. That's so
1: cool that you didn't, and you just.
0: I loved it. I do that with movies, too. I like to go see movies that I haven't seen trailers for. If they're getting decent reviews, I'll go see it. And then just I saw Interstellar. I saw, and I had never even heard of it. And this uh, years ago, this girl was like, "Hey, come see this movie with me." And I was like, "I don't know what that is." She said, "Oh, it's got Matthew McConaughey in it." I said, "Okay, I like Matthew McConaughey. I'll go." And that's three hours of me on the edge of my seat (laughs) with my eyes dried out because I won't even blink. So that was how I was with this concert. I was just I was blown away by this by this guy. And this was at the time when I was really starting to really get into jazz. Uh, musical theory and really understanding right. music from a from a on paper standpoint, right? And he is a jazz player. Oh, totally, a hundred percent Western swing jazz player. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Like it was this emotional roller coaster. Oh, it's it's of, amazing of realizing that it was that it was Nashville pop country music, which I had been conditioned not to like for no reason other than I heard everyone say that they didn't like it. So from realizing it was that to them coming out and doing a couple of songs that I had heard that I didn't know that it was him. And then from him doing I think he did this song called Nervous Breakdown. Yeah. And it's just this burning train beat, like three hundred beats per minute train beat. And he is just destroying the oh, guitar. Yeah.
1: And his fiddle Hot, player fast tempos. is oh, destroying. Yeah. His steel player his steel player's killing. Yeah, he's got this
0: flat picker acoustic guy that's just, yeah. just killing. And it was like eight minutes long of just solo, instrumental. Yeah, And they did that like the fourth song in. And I just, like, my head fell off. I didn't know what to do. And then I was in. At that point, I was yeah. in. And it was such a cool show. And he's doing all this B-Bender stuff. And yeah. God, it blew my mind. Yeah, he's amazing. But if I hadn't taken those tickets and taking that chance and taking that chance on something that I thought going into it that I wasn't going to enjoy right you know and then just seeing it and just really taking it all in, and and seeing the the machine, seeing the the production, like you said, the 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 video of the st- of the stuff behind them, and the bands running around, and everyone looks like they're having so much fun. Yeah. Because how could they not? Right. And I mean, it was just it was such a cool experience. And and if I hadn't done that, my my musical trajectory may have changed because that opened my. I went home and downloaded all of his records. Right. To find because on every one of his records, he puts at least two instrumental songs.
1: Right. And he he'll have guitar. people sitting. in, He'll have Red Volkart and yeah. different people playing, and yeah, and that's a perfect gateway to go. Oh, yeah.
0: oh, who does he? Who's he into? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I gotta check exactly. this out. Exactly. That was my introduction to Albert Lee, just through Brad yeah. Paisley, who oh. I now adore. Yeah, uh, Red Volkart I already was aware of because I was kind of into the Western Swing side, Because right. it's and jazzy. You're in
1: Texas. I mean, you yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah.
0: And then so I got to do a show in Austin at the Continental. Um, it was uh, Red Volkart. It was a Saturday. Red Volkart did the uh-huh. early show. We did the middle show, and the Mingo Fish Trap did the late show. Ooh, yeah, it was such a fun show. And I made my band. I said, "I would love to see I that." Said, you get to my house at ten o'clock. <laughs> you-
1: yeah, you're in. This is a field trip. We're
0: yeah. This is an all day event. I'll buy you lunch just because we're getting there early. Uh, yeah, that's. I had to see Red Volkart. This is the one and only time I ever seen him, and I was just—I mean, at at—and it wasn't Hay Bale. It was—it was just Red Volkart in his band. Yeah. And so I, man, it was such a cool show. Yeah. That guy I mean, does things with the fattest fingers I've ever seen in my life.
1: It, it defies physics. <laughs> it's a great. And he I mean, plays. it really does. You look at him it and you are like, "There's no way." How no. does it even do that? It's crazy. And not only that, he's got the sausage fingers. He, his necks are like a Louisville Slugger bat. They yeah. are giant. Yeah. I mean, so much so that yeah. when you first wrap your hand around it, yeah. you go, what? Yeah. You're like, what is this? And yeah. then he can play
0: faster than yeah. – it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And brittly clean. Yeah. It's it was it was it was such a cool show. My band didn't care. They all went and did something else. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'll I'll do not, this.
1: Not a good choice. Yeah, yeah but just but they no. You're, didn't that's care. A,
0: I was well, I was Ray way into awesome. it. Yeah, it was really fun. So uh, that was a fun show. But but he has uh, Brad Paisley has a record. Uh, it's called Play. Is what it's called, and uh, it's like twelve songs. And most of them are instrumental. And he's got this Who's Who, veritable Who's Who of Nashville guitar player Vince Gill, right, and, yeah, and all those guys. That are all just soloing on it. And then there's a song called Kentucky Jelly where there's a little uh, uh, speaking part. Goodness gracious, Kentucky Jelly. That's all it says. It's fucking Snoop Dogg.
1: That's hilarious. Wow. Saying that yeah. on this
0: on this record. And that's all he says. And right. he's not on any he's not rapping or doing anything. It's like, hey, do this and send it to me and I'm gonna put it on my record. It's freaking Snoop Dogg. And that's then it's hilarious. chicken picking over yeah. a train beat for the rest of the song. It's the craziest thing. But like that kind of stuff, I I, I adore that about about musicians in general who are who are who are open minded enough, like Brad Paisley and Snoop Dogg, either one of them may have gone like why would I do that, yeah, but neither one of them did, and they both went, hell, yeah, I want that, oh, let's do that. why would I not do that? yeah, and that kind of open mindedness makes me so happy, and when you see that in 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 a local scene like like around here, there's a lot of dudes that you wouldn't think would pair up, and then they do, and it's magical right and i I just I really like that when I when I see people who who are trying to shit talk other musicians and and, and downplay. This band or this thing, yeah, it, I, it really bothers me I hate, because I don't it, have time for that. I it's hate just it. yeah, and it's then not not worth it. I yeah, I, I I try to fix it, and then if you can't fix it, I just I I disassociate, and it, yeah. and that sucks. You know, you lose friends or you lose respect for a person, you know, that you've had respect for, but it just there's no room for that here. No. It shouldn't be that way. Everyone should be collaborating with everybody. And I I really enjoy it when I see two people that I never thought would have paired up and they do, and then it's absolute magic.
1: Yeah, that was part of the learning process about jazz was the 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 mingling of everyone. Like every yeah. Every song, it was different people. It wasn't like, oh, we're putting a band together, right. and here's the band. It's like, are you? Can you play right now? Yeah, they come over to my room. We're gonna play. And it's gonna it. be, you know, upright bass, trumpet, and alto. Yeah, and then we're gonna play. And yeah. then what happens? and you kind of feed off of that. Yeah. Maybe next time you have a drummer. Yeah. It made me realize, oh, there's this thing and then you start studying the disco, you know, all the the discography of jazz mm-hmm. and you discover, oh, so you know, all these bands mingled with each other so yeah. you can get this Coltrane record, which is basically the same as this Miles record. Yeah. And it's basically the same as this Red Garland record. Yeah. And it's it's really it was eye-opening like, oh, it, it, it's supposed to be a mingling of that. Yeah. It need like you said, it needs to happen more yeah. in the rock world. Everything. It yeah. just it yeah it's a, it's a it's an it's an awesome thing when it does. Yeah. I respect the
0: CMT crossroads
1: for oh, the producers yeah. for that. There's some brilliant Absolutely well, and, and one of them, well talking about Brad Paisley, and to me, it might be the most successful of the crossroads, mm-hmm. but it was Brad Paisley and John Mayer. Oh yeah, because they were one of the first ones that. I mean, yeah, you do ever you do the other songs, but they they really really grasped. Okay, yeah. Paisley's like I'm going to do Mayor tunes, but I'm going to do them chicken picking, right? And Mayor's like, okay, I'm going to do a Paisley tune, but I'm going to slow it down and make this awesome groove. Yeah. And they really got it. Yeah. Uh, that was an amazing yeah. crossroads.
0: There's been a handful of them that are that like you. I would never have thought this artist could do that genre and they right. just destroy it yeah. and then you come to find out that that's what they grew up doing right like this this mega mega pop star female singer grew up playing honky tonks like came up and then turned into this and you would never know that until you hear them do this yeah. this tune and you're like whoa like where did that come from i think uh uh pink was one of those yes. she did one She's of those. Awesome. And she did, uh, I forget who she did it with, but she did one of their songs and did it really traditional style like that. Yeah, she's she's a singer. And then she destroyed it, and I went, holy crap, Like she's super versatile like that. She actually sings. I remember Brad Paisley had B.B. King on one of his records uh, several years ago, um, and they did uh, Let the Good Times Roll. And I remember loving it. And B.B. King was singing. They were trading verses and trading licks and stuff. And it was just straight ahead blues shuffle. I mean, nothing fancy. Real upbeat. And B.B. King did his B.B. King thing over it. And then Brad Paisley took a a solo. And it was this crazy outside the box, like, bebop jazz, bebender, like, fusion-y solo over top of this blues tune. And it was really weird. And if you don't... If you don't like that already, it would have been really weird. It would have been jarring to hear. And Guitar Player Magazine got a hold of that record and ripped Brad Paisley a new one like a hack hack job, like a full-page hack job about how he was just not respecting B.B. King and he didn't respect the blues and why would he do all this weird guitar stuff and all this other stuff. And then they asked Brad Paisley about it And he was like, who, why? Who cares? B.B. King loved it. He told me he liked it. He wrote the song. He agreed to come do it. He told me he liked what I did. Why do I care what you think about it? Yeah. And it was like, it. and that was the whole, like that was his answer. He didn't have to explain it to anybody, and I, I, I thought it was so unnecessary and divisive that Guitar Player magazine, which is reasonably popular amongst guitar players, yeah, it is, that no, they would is. come at him like that. Yeah, and they did a big hack job on Joe Bonamassa too. And I don't love Joe Bonamassa's stuff, but I respect the hell out Dude, of it.
1: You got that man is he's tremendous. Yeah, he's one person that I've really, I've gotten to. Uh, you know became on my radar and then i've got some friends that play in his band yeah and i've se- seen him and experienced the machine like you talk about then there's not a you know he is he talking about a hard worker oh he does everything He does the booking the management yeah. he does it all
0: and they never stop touring
1: they no, no they're they don't at never. all Ever. yeah they do not and uh and it's amazing like guitar nerds love them mm-hmm. and and women love him really like like screaming <laughs> his name really like oh yeah i was like all these older i don't know you any know of these uh women. it was oh, i saw him in austin uh last year and it was it was amazing but yeah. like it, it they slam him it's like man so what this guy works hard yeah and he does and, and he was... really with the band he has right now he really sounds good
0: yeah real well, good When i saw him at the bass hall about six years ago ish yeah and uh it was before the horns yeah and it was this this in your face, rock and roll, blues stuff, and it was killer. Blew my mind. I mean, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, he's gotten away from that super processed sound because right. he's buying up every old every finish, video, Yes, I mean everything. fine oh, it's find. crazy. And so now he's got this this wall of old yeah. like tweed twins or whatever he's got. So it's the tone is good again, and uh, I love what he's doing now. But I, I love the fact that. He did the same thing. They gave, they slammed him about, about you know disrespecting the genre because he's playing, he's putting out two records a year, and he's just he's playing this process, playing too much, and he's doing all this stuff. And he said the exact same thing. He said, well, "People were buying tickets. If people if people don't like it, then why do they keep showing up? <laughs> like, yeah. Stop, stop trying to turn people against people me. People are like,
1: going to be haters, you know.
0: Like, what's the point of this yeah. article? Was essentially what he said was like, why, why is this even a thing? Like, talk about." Something else, like nope, nobody cared. People are buying my tickets. What difference does it make? Trying to turn people off, like what's the point of that? So I thought it was funny, but I always respected him. I like. I found out about him when I was in high school in the early two thousands, and he was doing trio stuff. And he had uh, this guy. I can't remember his name now. From New York, he kind of looked like Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean. And huh? I can't remember his name. He was a great bass player. Uh, this New York guy, and they were just a power trio. And he was playing a strat. Through a Marshall stack, and it was just killing, and it was this like aggressive, kind of funky, kind of bluesy rock stuff. I really loved it, and that got me into like, okay, it's okay to play more guitar. Like, I don't need to get away from that, and I I appreciate him for that. Yeah, uh, back in those days, for my for being a kid and being you know reserved about well, what do people like? You know, before I stopped caring and just started doing what I liked. You know,
1: yeah. To me, it's it's all about sincerity. If like you're doing what you do with sincerity th- then i can't say anything bad about it no and i it might not be for me right but yes yeah. a lot of other people love this yeah well but if it's if it you know to me if it's not sincere and it's just contrived and it's yeah it's forced and it it's yeah it's not real it that really that to me like you know it's people pick up on that Immediately,
0: yeah, and I've seen a lot of bands, a lot of local bands, celebrate local success who uh, were not very talented, uh, not on, on the spectrum of, of being you know virtuoso right. musicians. They you know they had they were doing what they were doing and they believed it and they were good at that, but it wasn't blowing anybody's mind. But they did it with the sincerity and people bought it. They bought what they were selling. Yeah. And they did well, and they celebrated some success. I think the Black Keys are a tremendous example of that. I don't yeah. think either one of those musicians are, are good, or uh, great musicians, but right. they did their thing, and, mm-hmm. and they were real about it. Mm-hmm. And they sold it, and they entertained people. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier, is if you entertain people... That's almost more important than the music. It's at a certain point. Right. So you make people have a good time. I think that's what the Black Keys did. I remember there was a a, a drummer magazine that, that about a couple of years ago. That drummer got on the cover of that magazine. Right. And the article was the art of simplistic drumming. And basically the, the crux of, of his interview part was like, well, that's like... That's all I can do. That's all, yeah. That's what I can't I do, do anymore. That's than my that. bags. Yeah. So this is it. This is what you get, and it's not mind blowing, but it's good. It fits the style. Yeah, it and it's and does then they're giving should. him all these accolades for like being reserved. Was what the guy was trying to say, and then the, the drummer—I can't remember his name—he was like, "This, that's it. Like, that's all I yeah. got. You know, this is what I practiced." But so he's sincere video. about it, and that's, its yeah. like—and he's killing it. It's not, yeah. a forced thing. It's no, real. He's not a, a, a gospel chops drummer. <clears throat> no, but if he was, that man would have never taken off. Right. If it was different, you know, he was playing what he knew how to play. They were doing it together, and, it, and people
1: bought it. and yeah. I,
0: I believed it. I had that uh, uh, the first record that they had back from 98
1: or 99. Yeah. I wore that thing out. Yeah, my wife just turned me on to them, and we listened to a lot of their records. Yeah.
0: They're good. Back man. in yeah. like their first two or three records when it was just the two of them, mm-hmm. and they were just playing the songs, and they recorded them at their house. It was super lo-fi, and they were great records, and it was really authentic, and yeah. I appreciated that. Uh, some of the later stuff, it doesn't do a whole lot for me, but I, I respect them a whole lot for that. This it was real. Yeah,
1: talking about uh, a band similar to Black Keys that I just discovered a while back Royal Blood. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. They're, an, I believe, an English band, and it's another duo a drummer and then the bass player singer. Mm hmm. And he's got this amazing rig where he runs in this uh, Pog mm-hmm. octave pedal. Okay, so it's got two outputs, one affected, one unaffected. Yeah, he sends the unaffected to a bass rig. Okay, two SVTs. Mm-hmm. So it's bass. Then he sends the octave up, not octave down, mm-hmm. the octave up signal to a guitar rig. Okay, so then he can, and he's got a tuner in line so he can turn it on and off. Okay. It's pretty cool, man. Because it's real tight. Yeah. You know, double guitar bass sound like it's doubling each other. Yeah. But it's perfectly tight. Yeah. And then you can turn it on and off. Interesting. It's really cool for you know, it's for about three, two, three songs and then it's one <laughs> yeah. of those. But it, talking about the duos, they yeah. do that, they do what they do. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah.
0: I'm into that. I just the authenticness, you know. If, yes, if, I agree. If I believe it, yes. I'm in. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to blow me away musically. It's if I'm, mm. you know, if you're if you're make, if you're moving somebody, you know, if you make me feel something or make me think about something, I'm in. I'm in 100 percent at that mm-hmm. point. I don't care what genre it is. I think that's what people get lost on when you. There's a lot of people in this scene specifically. There's a lot of singer songwriters in this scene, and they're trying to write things that sound like this. Right. And I, I really, I really, that bothers me that that happens so mm-hmm. much because I think once. This is an analogy that I've used, and tell me if you if you agree or disagree with this. By the time something has gotten to the level of massive popularity, say say like a, a I'm not going to name any names, but the biggest of the big Texas country people right. specifically, you can think of a few of those. Yeah. By the time they got to that point, it's been probably eight years in the making to get to that point for that person, right? And they've been doing their thing that way for that long, okay? So when they get there, there's this lower level person who is just starting out and they're idolizing this person up here. Yes. And they so they want to sound like this guy. Yes. Not realizing that this sound started eight years ago. Yes. So by the time eight years goes by, this person starts it's to try diluted. to get somewhere. That well that's gone. That's yeah. not popular anymore. So it seems to me that the people who are trying to play to play songs that sound like what's already popular yes. have already
1: done themselves a disservice. Exactly, you have to be forward thinking about that, right? Because it,
0: because a few years from now, that person's not going to be that popular, right? And then that sound that you're doing is old; it's yes. antiquated, and no one's going to latch onto it. You have to do; you just have to be yourself. I, I see a lot of singer songwriters coming up, newer people, and whether or not they they know better, or whether or not I'm qualified to even say whether or not anybody knows better is a different story, but. It seems it's. I see so many people doing that, and it's so it, they're not just not being themselves, and they're talented musicians. And I'm never going to say that to any of them, obviously, because I'm not the person to do that. But I see that happening a lot. And then on the other side of that coin, when I do my stuff, I can only speak for my own experience. That's purely my own thing, and it doesn't work. I I get to that point where I go okay well maybe I should like lean into this a little bit more and then I have to go no 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 that's not going right. to work I have to be true to myself maybe it'll work maybe I have maybe I just tweak it and make it better or what change this and do, but I, I I understand why they do it right
1: it's 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 easy to it, overthink
0: but it's a but it's it seems like that's not a working model
1: right because
0: it's, eventually you're going to get a little bit of popularity and then that sounds going to be old and then you're not going to be right and,
1: and that's a slippery slope of like. You don't need to copy things. Right. But at the same time, like we we're talking about the educational process and learning, there are times when, hey, you need, I'm, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to be exactly this dude. Right. And do their thing. Uh, and you learn a lot that way. Yeah. But when you're, you know, you got a product, it's not a good idea to be like, okay, I want to sound, uh, you know, like this band, right? I want to be the next that's, this, th- and that's a bad idea. You know, no, no, it's not yeah. that. Yeah, maybe like, oh, I, 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 I like that type of vibe. I maybe get inspiration from it. That's right. maybe a good way to think of it. But it's not good to go. Right. I'm going to do that. Right. Um, right. you know that that's, that's the big thing in country music right now. It's yeah. it's it's gotten so diluted. Yeah, because you're talking about these people, and then there, are other artists who are influenced by them get to the top, and then other artists are influenced, and and it becomes yeah. a uh, not good. Yeah, it's not. It, it, yeah, not artistic anymore.
0: On that level, in in more of the the national Nashville level, I hate using Nashville in the same way that. Well,
1: that's that's where the machine is. And that's and where you, it is. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but, mean it like like people mean it when they say right. it. Right when uh, there's the high, it's a really high turnover rate of the of the not the top of the top like the one percenters that are doing arenas like you were on and, yeah. and Brad Pitt like that. Is, is more of an untouchable level but the guys who are who are on a bus but still doing theaters you know 2000 or less yeah. there's such a high turnover rate of those people yeah. and their their career trajectory they get to a point and stop improving and the labels drop them and then they're gone yeah. there's the next guy maybe this guy will do it and so i think that contributes a whole lot to oh, the, the yeah. to the well maybe we we like this This formula, but maybe this guy's not attractive enough. Let's get this guy who sounds pretty much like this guy. Oh, there's a lot of that. And then we'll push him up. Yeah. And then now you've got two guys who are pretty much the same. And it's like, oh, wait, I was a fan of that guy. And now that guy's gone. Now I have to listen to this guy. I don't like this guy. And then other people are like, oh, I love this guy. So then they're competing for the the same Mm -hmm. exact spot. It's such a weird thing. The Texas music market, I don't think is, the Texas country market, I don't think is quite like that. Because I think you get the boys club of the people who have been doing it long enough. Right. And then there's a lot of. It's all about who you're hanging out with. There's a lot of mm -hmm. lower regional people. Yeah. Yeah. But. But I see a lot of yeah, man. It's about a, I, if I see one more Facebook post of I'm oh I'm, I'm doing this thing with my good friend this person <laughs> yeah exactly if, oh my god yeah. like you're not good friends with that person yeah quit lying to me. My favorites when it says that and it's thing. like
1: a meet and greet picture where they're obviously like <laughs> yeah. it's a you're meet and greet. You're for like, that. Yeah. You're like, dude, no, man, you're not <laughs> yeah. hanging out with them. Yeah,
0: with my good with my good buddy. Yeah, there's yeah. this person. I see that a lot. And I'm not maybe they are, and I don't know, but I mean well, that's like probably three percent of the time. It's yeah. real. And the rest of the right, time, you can't, you're putting it on Facebook to to make people who are looking at you think that you're there yeah. when you're not there and you haven't earned that and I don't believe you. Like I know a lot of those right. people, and I don't and, do that. But then the
1: sad thing is, the majority of the people do believe it and are like, "Oh wow, yeah. they're hanging out with <laughs> yeah, so they, and so." Yeah. And it's like they must oh, be doing no, something. No, yeah. you're not. It's funny. I, if I see that constantly.
0: Oh, I'm doing this with my good friend, this person. It's like no, that's not okay. All right. Yeah. I never say anything because why would I? But it's just funny. But anyway, are you? Uh, Needing to wrap it up? I or think you? I am, yeah. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, we did, a, we did a good one here, almost, yeah. almost two hours. So. Good. Do you want um, to tell people where to find you and what you're
1: doing? Yeah, uh, I've got a website, aidenbubeck.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out. Yeah. And I've got an Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff. And yeah. And post about all that junk. I've got a calendar on my website that's got all the places I'm playing, usually. Good. so good yeah
0: yeah check him out uh phenomenal phenomenal musician and i had the pleasure you, of, of playing with you for the first time and i, I really hopefully enjoyed do it, it. again so, very soon yeah i'd love to get you on and d- doing like a, a trio thing yes. with, with chris that'd be really fun be yeah i would love to do that hammer out some fun yeah. music so yeah so as always uh check me out chriswatsonband.com see what we got going on uh if you're listening uh sooner than later we're doing new year's eve at magnolia motor lounge in fort worth uh, good place with uh my great friend michael lee <laughs> uh my good friend uh but yeah he's got great great band horns band same style as what cool. we're doing doing his own version of yeah. it and uh man it's killer so it's gonna be a really fun night of funk and soul music for cool. so if you're listening uh come check that out and thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time